Metal Sucks Podcast fans. You guys want to know what's going on and what's new at Metal Blade Records this month? Let me tell you. The first thing I want to talk about is the latest release from The Ocean, Fanriazoic Live. It's coming out this November, guys, and it is a stunning live audio-visual presentation of The Ocean in all their prog glory. Make sure you guys are checking out the Fanriazoic Live, guys, the live videos right now at metalblade.com slash the ocean. Also new in the web shop, some classic reissues from the great Lizzie Borden. Make sure you guys are checking out Deal with the Devil and the Master of Disguise LP reissues, which are both going to come out this month from Metal Blade Records. And last but not least, Grease's Web. It's W-E-B. Their record, Coliseum, will be coming out. So check out all these wonderful releases from the Metal Blade Records, dude. Go to anymerch.com slash Metal Blade Records. Once again, The Ocean, Van Riazoic Live, Webs, Coliseum, and the reissues of the Lizzie Borden Classic LPs, Deal with the Devil, and Master Disguise. Go to anymerch.com slash Metal Blade Records. It's the Metal Sucks Podcast with your hosts, Petter Speich, Brandon Hahn, and Jocelyn Sharp. Metal Sucks Podcast. Hello, our friends out there. It is I, your host, Petter Speich. I am always joined by Brandon Hahn. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at your buddy Gooch. Jocelyn Sharp. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jocelyn Sharp. Uh, I make cooking content now. I've done a complete branding switch. I don't give a fuck. I went to therapy and I'm happy. If you want to hear dick jokes, come to my shows. Wow, that was a lot. I'm sorry. That was like a lot right I'm off sorry. the bat. I'm, I'm reintroducing myself <laughs> to the world. Hi, it's new. <laughs> Jocelyn. <laughs> and her TikTok is at the Wizard of Jocelyn. For is, those cooking videos, yeah, I'm assuming they're on there. They are, they are on there. They're ASMR TikTok. videos. I feel like ASMR yes. videos. Mm. What, what mm. kind of videos? ASMR videos. What's that? It's when it's very quiet, gentle noises, and you just get to enjoy mm. the calmness. Make, make sure you follow our other co-hosts as well. <laughs> it's Sylvia Alvarado. That it's the Sylvia on Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> if you guys want to follow me, I'm at Rise to Offend. Facebook and Twitter, Rise to Offend Official. On Instagram. This week we have Phil Pendergast from Chemist on the show. We are here to celebrate. Man, the awesome new record, Deceiver. It is coming out November 19th, guys. But before we jump into that interview with Phil, as always, we'd love to chat a little bit about those Metal Sucks news stories. It's a failed education we're giving you. Manipulating facts with opinions. We got you in the palm of our hands. Pushing you to hate is part of the plan. So thanks for the power you gifted us. We're worthy of your mind and all of your trust. Dying for our cause, you'll never regret it. It's Metal Sucks News, prepare for your lesson. We'll take good care of your soul. You'll be safe under our control. What is going on with You're, you? The fans are really missing out on your facial expressions, lip syncing to your own news intro. It's, well, that's what happens. <laughs> Feels good. That's a, that's a three people secret, John. Oh, I'm sorry. It's that. just brilliant. Actually, it's more the of amount a, of the whites of your eyes I can see when you're yeah, doing it. They're <laughs> wide open. I'm selling it. He wants to play it live, dude. Play it live. I Bill Bill O'Reilly it up. First story we have to talk about now. Ah, uh, you know, this one's this one's icky for me. All right. Okay. Oh God. It's icky for me. 
probably Icky involves is the word sex. I use. Is it because it involves a pop star? Does it involves no. It doesn't involve sex. The R word. What's the R word? Rape. No, it doesn't have rape. Well, yes, God, it does we, kind of. Okay. In it's, it's, auxiliarily. It's, it's rape adjacent. <laughs> okay, rape adjacent. Right. I okay. hate this term. Let's not make that a term. It's okay. Rape adjacent. <laughs> ah, there's no rape happening on this story, but it's right over there. <laughs> yeah. It's right over there. We're just not allowed to say the word adjacent. Yeah. So <laughs> Now, every time yeah. you scroll to the bottom of a news story, there'll be a, a rape adjacent yeah. section so you it's can a, see uh, the rapes that are related gonna be, to it's that It's actually going to be Pete pointing, just going, the rape's right over there. We're not allowed to use the word adjacent. This is yeah. No, can't use adjacent. You it's too to triggering. About a rape. It's in the story. It's here. But you have to click on a link to take you to another to story. To another story. Yes. Marilyn Manson. Okay. Now Always you guys now that, now Always it's, now fun. Now it's falling into place. Now oh. the rape of Jason is falling into place. <laughs> he led a prayer circle this week he, This week with uh, Kanye West and Justin Bieber, two uh, you know, badass rockers that we all know. Fucking... Metalheads, yeah, Kanye. And, uh, yeah, but yeah, I love I, I love a, a recording artist who already won his own awards and bullied a skinny little white girl on the stage. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's <laughs> the nicest. Microphone, he's a nice guy. Yeah, he's the best. He's nice. Marilyn Manson is famous for being a fucking weirdo and rapist, fake gun puller guy. Well, I was gonna say before, no. Before, uh, before we're that, about, we're, talk, we're talking about before the 2010s. Oh, boobs, boobs, boobs. Boobs. Boob okay. suit. Marilyn Manson is pretty much famous for uh, being the Antichrist superstar. Yes. That's what broke him through. His absolute attack on religion in every form possible. His, you know, defamation of anybody that even thinks in that way. Right? But now that he is rape adjacent, the guy's in a prayer circle with uh, popular people in the media. Does so it, it, what is that? There's a new, this is a new thing to me because there's a new time frame. I think ever since, you know, uh, yeah, I, certain things have happened that lying and all that stuff is like totally awesome and good as long as, you know, you trick the dumb people out there, right? And it's like, oh, it's cool. As long as I trick the dumb ones, I'm good. And that's like a new thing that I see people with power do more and more and more and more and more. But then, like, when you're on the other side and you can see above that line, it, it, it makes but, it angry. But right? I also don't get uh, – here's what I don't get is, like, if you're trying to, like, look good, if you're trying to, like, get back in the good graces of some people and get people to forget that you had this horrible rape accusation and you did this bad thing – I wouldn't go with Kanye West's church, <laughs> you know, like it's not like his church is touted as like this great, like, you know what I mean? It's I like, a, a it's a strange that move. Kanye West is using Marilyn Manson for whatever for clout he has. He wants right? clout. To yeah. be like, look, this And that's why Marilyn Manson went yeah. to that. It's yeah, like, yeah, he yeah. wanted clout. So it's all of a sudden you got famous person clout. So now mm -hmm. Justin Bieber, who was North America's sweetheart, you know, cause he's Canadian. I can't say America's <laughs> sweetheart. <laughs> North American sweetheart, and then you got nutbag Kanye West, and it's like, I mean, they could give him the cosign. They could give him the cosign. They're like, guys, come on, did he really rape? I mean, Beebs is with them. Beebs, you know, Beebs. Well, in modern days, hate culture, Kanye West is amazing. Even though all we can say is negative things about him, but that's that's why he's popular. Right, it's because hate culture loves to hate, so he's easy to hate on because of his behavior. Obviously, you can. Do your research with that. Marilyn Mans Manson is obviously leaning towards that. Where but I don't, don't think you, he ever went straight uh, in to hate me, hate me, hate me, hate me culture. I think he was always like. But I want to say this: don't underground, you think kind of like speak your own. I don't know. I just don't feel. See, like I he, feel. I feel like I he was like always hate me culture, but he was doing it towards the Christians, which was the majority of the people at the time. And it still is, but I mean, but at that time, it was like they had more of a, a grip on things than they do now, and. 
look, that was the rock and roll thing to do was to was to attack them. That's how he made his brand. And now he's backtracking because you got caught. Well, but we, you don't think these guys are just delusional enough to believe they're doing the right thing, that they've they've had this altruistic spirit. You don't believe that because that's what I think they're just truly egotistical and delusional enough to believe that they are having this new spiritual have, experience. No, no. I have no doubt that anybody that has a issue with narcissism yeah. needs to find Jesus. <laughs> I mean it. I know you guys are like, whatever. To be a know. functioning member of society. Uh, yes. Yes. Is it Jesus or just some kind of a religion? Some, any, Jesus. <laughs> it's got to be Jesus? Well, I mean, some kind of religion, I guess. is My, my point is like Christianity and stuff like that. Um, I think that, that in a lot of ways, that is a narcissistic religion. Religion, right? Because yeah, it's you know. it's saying that um, you know our God is the only God, and you well, know that's all of them. Yeah, it, it, uh, my, my point not is really. That it, it, <laughs> makes, it makes sense to me, you know, that right. it would go that now. But that's kind of what I think. I don't think it's a clout move. I think it's like literally delusion. I think it's like Marilyn Manson being like. Uh, you know what? I truly am a good person, and and this has just been bad up until this moment. And I'm rebaptized in the light of the Lord. And Con- all the gifts I <laughs> yeah. got in my life, yeah. and all those things. Yes. You know, why am I blessed? All those things. Yes. Why did I get this? Why did I? You know. I think it's very like that, that does make because a bad of- day in Marilyn Manson's life is still going to be the a great day. day for a lot of people in our tax bracket. That's you know why I'm I mean? thinking it's less clout and it's it's less him deciding to take part in hate culture because to your point, he was a hate culture guy. He's not afraid of hate culture. I think it's. It's way more like true egotistical delusion. I think this is true, true egotistical delusion. I think is this not going to bury him with his fan base? A hundred percent. Absolutely. But I just think that up until now, Marilyn Manson was Hollywood evil. And then when the, and then when <laughs> the rape, evil. Yeah. yeah. And then like when the band. rape comes out. Yeah. And then when the rape comes out, it's like, holy shit, he's a I'm really bad guy. Midwest. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to run to the Midwest. Get me beebs. I'm going back to <laughs> yeah, Cleveland. Was, That's where I was born. Yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't it be crazy if Marilyn Manson, wouldn't it be crazy if Marilyn Manson like grew his hair out like Bieber, like had the, the forward uh, bangs and all that stuff, like young. And Bieber. his body is aged like spoiled milk because oh, of dude. all the drugs and alcohol. It's rough. It's bad. Wow. Yeah, so, yeah I just think on. I just think he's crazy. My vote is that he's just crazy, crazy, um, crazy, crazy, crazy. Now, the best part of the story is that uh, he didn't say anything, but uh, someone that he's tied to said that he cannot confirm nor deny that Marilyn Manson is Christian now. So, if you're selling, if you're selling. And you need to make money, and your job is selling. Does it really matter as long as you're being talked about in in, in a society that's nope. built on hating celebrities? Nope, it does not matter. Absolutely, it doesn't matter. Like, cloud like, is cloud. Like like talent doesn't matter. Nothing matters as long as we can hate you and talk shit about you, right? I don't know if he'll ever get back out on stage, but I mean, at this point, ha- has he not done everything a rock artist would has set out to do? Manson. I mean, it's like he's done just about everything. He's yeah. accomplished yep. everything. He's, so. he's had a bunch of albums. He's won awards. He. he raped um yeah dude so drugs. many like dude right born right. again christian born again christian you know he hasn't gotten things. sober yet to our knowledge okay but you know christianity and sobriety but he did have a domestic together. violence scandal so, so there's may, that yeah there is maybe maybe he's sober now you know maybe he's getting sober, Doubt which it. is a good thing I, I'm not, I'm all i'm again. saying is, is if he, now is the time if he just wanted to fade off into the sunset he could do it and still live happily ever after and still have a good and after still after doing jail time if you think well, if, i mean that's if he goes to jail if he goes to i don't jail. think he is going to go to jail because so he's got money but if you think that those kanye west prayer circles are not fueled by cocaine i think you're sorely mistaken no I, I there's a, a reason they're all that, wearing white i have a feeling that uh marilyn manson is not sober but my point is is that 
we'll find out down the road. I'm just saying you can tie that to Christianity a lot of times. A lot of times it's like I'm powerless, I can't stop. That's, very, very true. That, that, know, it's and, part of the a lot of the get sober and then programs. We'll feel like assholes that. for calling him out. But you're like, you know what? He got sober. He lived a pretty rock star and brutal life. Hurt a lot of people along the way, and now he's like, you know what? I'm I'm making amends, and then we'll feel like assholes. Will we? I just don't think you should make amends with Kanye West, maybe uh, for attention, and just go do it on on the side. But, but that's that's that where doesn't make sense. But, but again, that's why I'm saying he's crazy. It's mm-hmm. delusion. I think he truly is like thinking there's like, it's like some Coke fueled thought that he had at 2am where he's like, Kanye's got this new church and he's like, probably thought he saw God or something, but it was really just like his turd in the toilet. The Who word knows? crazy doesn't apply anymore because anybody with a smartphone in their pocket is, a, is crazy. True. But, but what I mean, yeah, when I mean, so. when I say crazy is delusional, yeah. not plugged yeah. into reality. Go back to what I just said. Yeah, exactly the same thing. (laughs) That's why we're crazy. (laughs) Well, uh, us personally are not crazy enough to go to Kanye West Church and think that's going to do anything positive for our lives. But I I also look at it like this. Marilyn Manson, say what you will, he is a very smart man. That's true. He's genius. He is very smart. And he knows how dumb the majority of the people are. And once you get a sign off by two famous celebrities, that's kind of manipulative. It does does help. And he knows that. You know what I mean? So it's like. That's Again, what I think. Yeah. He's yeah. grasping at straws maybe a little bit because he has yeah. come into this place where he doesn't have much left. I think he sees an angle, mm-hmm. and I think he's going to take that angle, and I think it's going to work in the long he's run. He's going to become a hate celebrity now. Probably. He'll probably be on celebrity uh, rehab or whatever. He'll do I mean, a podcast with Ben Shapiro. Oh, <laughs> buckle up. <laughs> I'm no, he'll Joe go Rogan Joe Rogan next week. Yeah, he'll, he'll go Joe Rogan. Rogan. He'll go Joe Rogan for sure. Yeah, Joe yeah. Rogan for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, Mark Maron. He, he'll, he, you know, he's he'll do them all, one. and those guys yeah. wouldn't love to have him. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that's all I'm saying. It's like once you get the sign off by enough celebrities, it's crazy how to the to people like Marilyn Manson, that's good enough because it does work. It does work. Their swing is that powerful. Yeah, and they don't care. It's sad, and they don't care. Yeah, that's why blue check marks are mean everything instead of talent nowadays. Moving on to the next story, guys. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Mastodon, love them. Got it. We've had every member on the show except for Brent. Obviously, for many reasons, I reached out one time to ask to Brent and uh, for the publicist, and they're like, "No, he's a wild card." You think? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, he's going to be surprised. He's like, no worries, dude. I'll get you Troy. I'll take I love, Troy anytime. I love when the know? publicist is like, no, he's a wild card. No. <laughs> Troy, Braun, Bill, come on back. He's going to hurt guys, the band. Uh, you know what's funny is in our band, that'd be Brandon. Yeah. Yeah. Brandon is a- <laughs> Brandon's not on the Brent level, but Brandon's not on Brent level. No, but, but you are- I got a good feeling. I got a good feeling that conversation that I had with their publicist, Jamie Josta had with their publicist as well and said, you know what, man? You know what? He can only get on my show if you give me Brent. And they're like, all right, let's trust him. Brent Hines goes on the Jamie Josta podcast knowing he's going to say something off. He's going to do what Brent Hines does. And uh, yeah, yeah. He, uh, he said a homophobic slur, unfortunately. I believe the, the, the homophobic slur in context, if you were in 2000, would have went right over our heads. Actually, I'm going to say 2010. We wouldn't have cared. And yeah. I'm going to say it. Not in any kind of way to offend people, but he said that Disturbed uh, was some gay-ass shit. Okay. First of all, I like Disturbed. I don't know what this everyone hates on Disturbed thing is. I mean, I get it, but I don't. As a child who grew up in the early 2000s, you know, okay. that was a formative band for me. All I right. like that band. I, I, we ex- oh, a lot of people do. Jaws, a lot of people are on the page with you. I feel attacked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm really triggered a lot. These <laughs> you got to be like. Just ready to go. Jaws is like, say something I don't like. Ready. <laughs> <laughs> in modern culture, even me as an interviewer, mm-hmm. 
you have to be fully aware of such things. I'm going to be honest with you, make a confession to you guys. People have said things like that while I'm interviewing them. That shit's gay. That's this. Bands we love. You know what I do? Cut it out. I edit the fuck out. Yeah, because you know they don't mean because it. Because they didn't mean anything negative by it. Yeah. All right? But obviously, they got comfortable with me, and they're like bar talking with me, and I'm like, all right, all right, I'm going to take this out. I'm not going to fucking slag so-and-so because he's dumb like Yeah. That. So, But uh, guess what? You know, but no, 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 no. <laughs> I don't give those people a pass on it. You yeah. Know, but my point is, is I'm not here to vilify those. We're people. also not here to, to hurt a bunch of people who have to hear that since shit I unnecessarily. Cut, I'm not going to be but like, I let's want- overwhelm the amount of work five guys in a band did because so and so thinks it's still cool to say that's gay. But right. guess right. what? So, but here's the thing: Jamie Jossa did not obey that line of thinking, and now he's got a competing podcast talking about his podcast. Jamie's great. Jamie's been on the show. We love right. Jamie. We love Jamie. So we're not talking shit. Um, I, I, Brandon is just pointing out the clout machine. Right? I, the clout machine. But in, in essence, <laughs> I don't though, like the clout machine. <laughs> there are interviewers that protect the artists unless or call them out. Like I, I've, I've done it where I'm like, yeah, I'm going to take that out. Is that cool? Because that wasn't. Oh, I meant it this way. All right. We'll say it that way. I, that's happened with me, too. You know, uh, keep in mind, I'm talking to people that English is their second or third language sometimes, you know. So when they say a word that they don't understand might be a backlash, I'm going to protect them in their band right right but the point is is that i believe there's times where you know you have to play it by ear you know type of thing do i think jamie josta did anything wrong here no, no. not at all that's not what i'm saying no. but my point is is that brent said it disturb quote unquote gay ass shit i'm not a fan of disturb i wouldn't call them you know a homophobic slur but in essence he would just call him a regular slur. <laughs> just, that's a regular just slur. Just a regular slur. You could call him the cracker ass band. You would just call him, you could just call him ass shit. It's the only slur we're allowed to say. So. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Honky ass shit. Honky hey, guys, we're in a time where we know that context when it's... I, yeah. I've been there where I've seen like transcripts. I'm like, shit, that makes me sound like a dick. <laughs> It's like, I didn't say it that way, but like egg transcripts are tough. Text message and emails, that's not how people really are supposed to communicate. Okay, it, it goes off the wrong way. Clearly, you can hear it when you listen to the interview that he's, this is just how he talks. And yeah, but I'm also the kind of person, thing, if you're going to talk shit, if you're, you're going to talk shit, be creative. Be creative. You know, like, be creative. No, Brent Heinz doesn't give a fuck. Yeah, be creative. After somebody said, be creative three times. <laughs> three times in a row. Yeah, be creative. Be creative. Be creative. Be Think creative. of something new. Be so, creative. <laughs> moving on from that. Brent Hyde said that, again, doesn't rep- represent Macedon. Right. Even though he's obviously a core member, one of the four, and uh, doesn't represent their new But album to your point, stuff, you him know? saying that does affect all of them. It does. Mm-hmm. That's what, that's what I, my job is to protect. Yes, the, the band. Circle. Yeah, I'm not trying to get people, whatever. Brent's been this way forever. We all know about Brent. You know, you see him on stage, he might say that exact word, no problem. Right. Moving on. So, that, that part's done. The part that bothered me a little bit, and uh, Braun, amazing drummer, great singer, awesome dude, has been on the show, love all the guys from Mastodon. He's the one that had to apologize for Brent's comment. Now, when you say had to apologize, was... Well, he didn't have to. He just was like, dude, I'm he, pretty much in essence, I'll read what he okay. said verbatim so I don't trick anybody or say anything. This is the statement from Braun. 
This really bums me out. I'm very sorry I hurt your feelings or anyone else's. That is never my intention. We want the LGBTQ fans to feel safe listening to our music and coming to see us live. We also have no ill will towards Disturbed. They were always super cool to us on that Mayhem tour. I think that interviewer might have caught Brent on a bad day. Sorry for upsetting you or anyone else. We appreciate you and all of our fans very much. So in essence... So in essence, throw... Jamie under the bus. <laughs> <laughs> no, he threw Brent under the bus. Oh, he threw, well, he said, he no, he said, use Jamie's name. He's just he, like no, interviewer. He goes, yeah. the, that interviewer. interviewer. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, I think you're kind of trying to throw and again. This is what it was. It was kind of like, look, we guys, you know, Brent, right? Yeah, exactly. No, no. It's what? kind of on Jamie. Right? What, 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 here you go. Here you go. <laughs> what Josta, what, what he did throw Josta under the bus because of what I just said. Yeah. Yeah. That's Josta what I just could have been like, yo. Let's not do this to Brent. These are probably friends of his. I'm assuming oh, that they've toured yeah, with for yeah, a long yeah. time. Let's not give him this kind of fucking press. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so I do feel he's like that interviewer caught Brent on a right. bad day. I mean, whatever. It doesn't give him a pass. But it seems like, you know, the story went out. Macedon's got a bad look. You don't really, as, as much as we're like forgiving, you don't wash this away because it's a Google thing. And like I said, hate culture is going to hate. Yeah. It's going to be tied to them. Also, Phil Anselmo will always have that Zeke Heil forever, <laughs> no matter what he says afterwards or what he does afterwards for a lot of people. Manson's always going to be Christian. Manson's always, always going to be Christian. A child of God. <laughs> I, <laughs> <if he's not. laughs> I just, I, I guess I don't, uh, I get what you're saying in that it's like it's it is yes your responsibility to to present the band in a good light, but I'm also going to be a little controversial in here say and say yes like yeah we we don't need to, we need to not normalize using that as a negative term but at the same time vilifying people who do is not going to get us to a place where we can make supportive places for LGBTQ youth who don't feel attacked because they have to deal with the defensiveness and ego bullshit of other people and especially when i've been around gay folks that have said oh that's gay you yes. know what i mean and it's like well then i don't know what's I don't know. I don't know what to think now. And again, we're if you are talking about two straight males having a conversation, you're right. We're not talking I agree about with you. I agree with you 100. Okay, so that doesn't play. I but agree. No, see, it's got to be the same rules for everybody. No, that's not how life works. That's that's, that's how my how life works. <laughs> that's how my life works. In that's Brandon's world, work, in Brandon's well. life, the world is fair. <laughs> no, no. In Brandon's world, everybody gets treated the same no, with the same walk, rules. If you walk into no, a if you're an asshole, I treat you differently than if you're my close friend. If you walk into a situation, you need to know the rules before you. Speak yeah, yeah. in a certain way. I, I, I think we all do that, despite you saying that you don't. I think that we all do that. Okay, I'm walking into a church. Well, let me not just say fuck Jesus and respect the yes. people around me yeah. because this is my environment, right? Yes. So but, I so, walk into a. So a, what if the priest says fuck Jesus? Is it cool then? It depends I mean, on what right. inflection Obviously. he uses. <laughs> <laughs> fuck Jesus. Well, I meant that as a fuck verb. Fuck Jesus is uh, sick. Exactly. I meant like fuck Jesus like a verb. Like you're going like to fuck like him. You're, like you're going to bang You're going to make love to him. Make love to Jesus. That's what I meant to say. Yes. Totally acceptable. I think Manson, we just tied it back to the Manson. We just did it. Yeah. We just did it. It's coming full circle again. I can't wait to join the prayer circle with Danny Filth, uh, Nurgle, and Manson. It's going to be awesome. My point is, is, no, don't use those words to bully. Yes, own up to it when you do. Um, but don't, literally, we cannot vilify people for saying hateful things without realizing it, or else that, that's how we turn them into bigots. But did he, did he use that word to bully? No. He used it, uh, in a, in, in, he used in it a, to bully disturbed. No, he, he used it. <laughs> yeah. Oh. 
He used it in a very, very dated manner. A derogatory manner. A derogatory and dated manner. Yeah. Which I understand. So obviously I don't hold any ill will. Me either. I rolled my eyes when I read it. When, no, some, just, when some old balding dude calls me a loud broad, I don't get in my feelings about it. I'm but like, get out of my not, face, old guy. Is there not accountability because we understand how For the world sure. works right now? A hundred percent. That's what I'm saying. We need to be better because we understand how the world works. And we don't need to use those things. So he is definitely, there's that fault here. But in actuality, is there a, a vilification of the band Macedon that's needed? No. That's the, that's the thing that we... I think and definitely somebody else doesn't need to apologize for him. That doesn't make sense. Well, I imagine that, you know, when we talk about wild cards... <laughs> You guys, you guys couldn't see the subtle way that Pete looked over at Brandon. What? They're digging that. their heels in what? and be like, you know what I meant? No, just I because, meant. just Don't because, my words. just because when I find the infinity stones and snap half of you away and the world's going to become better, don't get mad at me. You know what I mean? I Don't get mad at me when you're sad and we go away. <laughs> well, you know. No kidding. He's like, yeah. hey, Brandon, my kid went away. <laughs> Well, well, you don't get to choose evil, yeah. evil man. But look how much tuna is getting made in the ocean. <laughs> I mean, it's like this. But look at the line of Dutch Brothers. But look at the line of Dutch Brothers. <laughs> so short. And there's many more trees not getting cut down. I mean, Pete, we got to work talking long term. I've been listening to Radical by every time I die. I'm like, Brandon wrote these lyrics. <laughs> yes. Brandon, this, Keith Buckley's in a dark place. Oh, yeah, buddy. <laughs> he wants us all to die. No, here's the thing, though. Brandon would have wrote those lyrics when he was watching the news. And now Brandon just comes to you for the news. And then and Pete's delicate way of giving me the news keeps me not as angry that's good yeah yeah you have, yeah. A, you have a safe space yeah it's Pete <laughs> it's Pete keeping My me away from the world everyone <laughs> mine don't you guys so, you should start a YouTube channel Pete where you give us the where you give everyone the news yeah <laughs> yes exactly. I need, I need so look unfortunately do, nuclear <laughs> after, nuclear <laughs> war do. just happened and uh it is the apocalypse it but. is the apocalypse but you guys but you guys look it's just gonna make you love your family that much more <laughs> So let's. There's some truth to that. Yeah, exactly. There's some truth to that. Yeah. He literally. Yeah. The, this is what we exactly love about Pete, though. He genuinely feels the death. I know, that's true. I know Very some true. of your cousin's shadow have been burned into a wall, but <laughs> just understand they're always going to be with Think you. Think about how festive it's going to be when you can outline it with Christmas lights at the holidays. Thank you. Exactly. Thank, thank you. Very much. Somebody gets me. What? We're talking about you What's being positive. Wrong? No, I love Pete. it. It's positive, it's positive spin Pete. Positive spin Pete. I love it. Oh, my God. If we still did bits, that would totally be oh, a yeah. bit. Positive spin Pete. I'm going to have to do it now. <laughs> I got to do it. Now it's got to happen. That's all, if you want a bit to happen, by the way, that's all you have to do is just say the word bit around something that's making us laugh to Brandon, and then it'll happen. Yeah. No, it will. <laughs> It, will. it might not happen that week, but it'll happen. It'll happen, and then I'll get it to him a week later. He's like, dude, we joked, we joked about that. We don't two remember. Weeks ago. It. We don't remember. Nobody remembers, bro. Dude, you are, our listeners, our bits listeners, their their memory, they just can't retain it. Even though they probably bulk episodes three or four at a time, they just can't relate. Yeah, to I mean, like doing a bit from a, a joke a few episodes ago is like talking shit on a band that hasn't been popular since two thousand and two. Yeah. Guys, story, guys, that's guys. some GA. A, that's some GA shit. What does that mean? Uh, nothing. <laughs> it means it means some good. It means some good ass stuff. <laughs> good ass shit. Good ass shit. Okay, yeah, yeah. I accept I that. Mm-hmm. I learned from Brent. I, I learned knew from Brent. The joke, the wild card was going to double down on the bad I knew joke. It was. I knew it. I knew it was, but then I saved it. Good See? ass shit. There you that go. is a marijuana reference. That's Moving a, on. Is it people? No. 
I think that was everybody reference. We're literally the only people who smoke weed at this table. Yeah. I'm like, good ass shit. Yeah. Pete's never said it sober. Last story I want to talk about, just because a good dude hit me up on Twitter asking because he was there um, at the Arizona Slipknot show. Fans started a bonfire in the back of the show. So there was this fire. There's a video. You guys can watch it. Go to metalsucks.net. But uh, pretty much just a bunch of shit thrown in a pile, lit on fire during a Slipknot concert. Um, Thoughts, Jocelyn? If you dress like a scary hell clown, you might just get scary hell clown shit. Wow. That's... I didn't mean to blame the victim. I'm that sorry. Was deep. <laughs> that was really deep. I, I saw this video and I was really, really, really like, it upset me. That's why I was like, I told dude, I'm like, I'll, we might talk about it. I'm like, but these are assholes. Yeah, for sure. That are ruining all these people's good time that are want to see Slipknot. The show is going to get cut short. Maybe they won't even go on. Possibly someone's going to get hurt. What the fuck are you starting a fire for? At a goddamn guarantee, they were concert, recording it. Man, for the like now, yeah, that's they like were, now after we haven't had concert for two years. There's people out there that are like, let's fucking start fires. They've been sitting <laughs> on their hands for too long. You got to uh, burn some shit down, or or uh-huh. maybe they were just cold. The other, Thank the you. other side of the <laughs> voice of reason. Let's <laughs> devil's advocate it. Maybe they were cold in Arizona. In Arizona, yeah, in freezing state. Yeah. In October. In October, might have been ninety-five to eighty-two. Might have been cold for Arizonians. Hey, okay. might, they might have saw their been. breath. They might have saw their breath. May, or maybe, maybe the concert maybe, gave out complimentary hot dogs, but didn't cook them. Maybe they mistook cold breath for meth smoke. <laughs> yeah, somebody's like, I need Coming to make out of their s'mores mouth. for yeah. all my friends. Yeah, what right? if? If, what if yeah. what if Corey brought all the makings for s'mores but didn't bring a fire? People and equal, they were just trying to be helpful. People equal mm. s'mores is the people new song. People equal s'mores. s'mores. <laughs> There's a bit. There's a bit. Right. Yeah. Mm. You're a bit I'm machine saying, today. I'm not saying it this time. I'm saying the other one. <laughs> Six <laughs> not, episodes from yeah, now, he's going to make a bit. Yeah, you, guys gonna, like, you guys hey, are going to sit there and you go like, bit, Gooch said bit, Gooch said bit. I'm like, it's the new year, it's January. <laughs> hey guys, people equal s'mores. Remember the Slipknot fire back then? Right, We're going to have to have just a bit episode, like when we yeah. have music episodes. It's a bit. <laughs> it's a bit. Fuck. <laughs> I've had emails where people ask me to play our old bits. <laughs> Because we only play them once. We never play them again. again, (laughs) Oh, man. And I was like, oh, I'll think about it, but I don't know. Maybe we should do a a top five bits episode. (laughs) The number one bit Who's going to vote on our shitty bits? Us. Oh. Number one, chicken Chicken dick. dick. (laughs) Number two, chicken dick vice. (laughs) (laughs) Who who knows the chicken dick bit? We're going back. Yeah, we're going back. Believe me, we're going to get 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 some tweets. tweets. We're going to get tweets, and it's going to be hashtag chicken Chicken dick, dick. and you're going to be dumbfounded because you thought that was going to crash and burn, and I'm sure there were plenty of people listening going, what is this stupid, idiotic garbage? You know? So, uh, yeah, dude, I mean, and and I think you guys did your job because we talked about this story. I wanted to make the, obviously, the dude supports us on Twitter happy and all that stuff, so you guys did jokes. Thank you for the s'mores. (laughs) The s'mores made it. I'm sorry to our fans. I don't want to be a shitty asshole To our fans. I was mad when I saw that. I'm like, what the fuck, guys? No, to our fans, we're sorry that this fucking concert got ruined, but unfortunately, you live in fucking Arizona, and it's literally filled with the worst people in the country. Ignore everything Jocelyn No, I mean that. My best friend lives in Arizona, and I visit him frequently, and it's horrible. Well, uh, let me (laughs) tell you something about a man named Charles Barkley 
Thank you. Oh, yeah. Arizona, known for its progressive thinking and, Maynard and, and helping of the poor. May I, Rob Halford. May, Rob Halford. May I point out to oh, you one. A bunch of bald guys with mustaches. You're really changing my mind. One guy named Dan Marley. <laughs> what? People, Brent. <laughs> Are you just naming obscure basketball players? Arizona Phoenix Suns player. How did I know it was obscure? I tell everybody this all the time. I say this when I travel around the country. I'm like, I have a friend who's like Rain Man, and when it comes to sports, no one cares about. Well, That's me, you. Let me, tell you let, me, let, me, let me tell you something, Josh, real quick, <laughs> to defend <laughs> Arizonanites before I go, because I'm a Las Vegas native, and we love Las Phoenicians. Vegas. Phoenicians. Uh, people from Phoenix are called Phoenicians. I, I, I accept. Um... When I travel, I can travel to Los Angeles. I could travel to wherever, Phoenix, even Tucson, Arizona, to see a show. I will always go to Arizona because those fucking crowds are awesome. Because they they're are. full of they're psychos. They're fucking great, and they support the <laughs> shit out of this scene. And I, I'll tell you something right now. I've seen a band in Vegas and be like, all right, I'm just going to follow them to Arizona. And I'm like, damn it, Vegas, we embarrassed ourselves. Yeah. yeah. I hear you on the rock fans, yeah. but I am so, going to say this. If you're listening, don't get too fucking cocky if you live in Arizona. Go vote. Stop letting them pay teacher shit. Because I'll tell you, last time Slipknot played here, they played at a, a little venue called the T-Mobile Arena, which holds about 12,000 people. Just a teeny... Venue. Yeah, there was. Ma- I'd say was, maybe it was four Slipknot or five. And Marilyn Manson were playing the last time, and I'm not even pre-Christian Manson. We yeah, pre-Christian, and I mean not not, not even three thousand people showed up. I guarantee you, at Arizona, that shit was sold out. Yeah. So there you go. I throw that. Back. I love that Pete's uh, moral judgment of a human is if they'll go to a rock concert or no, not. I'm just saying. I'm saying for the assholes. You're saying a human. You're talking about a bunch of people that live in one state, Jocelyn. This guy's going like, let's not, let's, let's not let yeah, the bad I, ones who take all the headlines. Hey, I'm allowed to fucking yeah. We I'm allowed to point fingers when the statistics right, back yeah. me up. Jocelyn's like, get in the fucking cart. Right. <laughs> Bands that tour the West Coast, they skip Vegas all the time. They don't skip. Arizona. Yeah, Vegas sucks too. I never said yeah. Vegas didn't so, suck. No, I just said Arizona Vegas is sucks. Great. Joslyn, no more shit talking of states. Yeah, Joslyn's gonna be like, get in your FEMA tent, Arizona. <laughs> and don't ask questions. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we went long today. This is a long episode. When right? do we ever not go That's long when I'm fine. here? I hey, good. I feel good about it. Everybody that hung in there, let's get to the bread and butter. Let's get to it. Great talk. Fantastic record. Here's my chat with Phil from Chemist. Everybody, what's going on? Uh, Petter, Metal Sucks Podcast. On the phone, I have Phil from Chemist. We are here to celebrate the new album, my friend, Deceiver. It's coming out November 19th. Now, let's talk about uh, really the, the themes in this record is a big thing when, uh, when the listener kind of jumps in. Um, w- w- let's start real quick with what was the hardest thing for you when you were trying to write lyrics for this album to really just kind of capture? Hmm. Well, first of all, thanks for talking to me, Petter. Uh, and thanks for jumping in right away with a pretty real question. Uh, you know, um, honestly, it was all difficult. Um, you know, the album, I think, ends up being about some difficult and really kind of honest and vulnerable aspects of, you know, being who I am. Um or just being human at all. And, uh, it was really kind of a long process to come to terms with like what each song should be about, um, how I feel about the different themes and sort of trying to find the most honest ways to express those, uh, in a way that would still be 
somewhat relatable to anyone outside of, you know, like my personal experience. Um, but probably the hardest part was just getting started. Like, um, I was just really suffering from sort of a creative drought and a lack of, uh, any motivation. You know, there was this time last year when we were sort of finally starting to make some progress on the album. And I realized that I was going to have to be, you know, writing new words and vocal parts for what we were coming up with. And, um, it was kind of like around June of 2020 and, you know, you've got like all of this shit happening everywhere. There's hundreds of thousands of people dying. Um, in the U S we have, you know, all of these racial justice issues coming to the forefront and issues with the criminal justice system and women's rights and, um, you know, lots of other political issues that end up being pretty dear to my heart. You know, I'm a pretty empathetic person and I sort of struggle when I see these things happening in the world. And at the same time, I was really depressed and, you know, it was just making it worse that I was sort of trying to figure out like, you know, okay, so I'm a solidly middle-class white man approaching his middle age in this climate that's happening right now. Like, what do I possibly have to offer to this, like, discourse that anyone should give a shit about right now? And, like, what can I even say that's going to be honest and, like, um, even mean something to me right now uh, when my personal suffering seems so insignificant to what everything else that was going on? And so just finding, like, sort of the space where I could just say, you know, I don't have anything left to give. Uh, and just being honest about that, you know, that's the first lyric on living pyre, uh, the first single from the album, uh, really sort of started to open the door to like, you know, what is it that I can still say and what haven't I explored? And, you know, what are the parts that I'm really afraid to share about myself that I can still sort of mine for my own benefit to become a better person, but also to write these songs about that's something that we all dealt with, man. I think big time is that one of the, my belief system had to almost restructure itself after I've seen a lot that was going on. Cause like you said, we're empathetic people. I feel the same way that you felt, but I'm like, I have to change how I see things. You know, um, words yeah. had so much power and meaning to me my entire life. And that was the hardest thing for me this last year is to be like, all right, well right now words aren't mattering. You know, mm -hmm. I think the issue is I'm not listening, you know, and that was, that was a struggle for me. I'll be honest with you, because I always, I always thought, well, you know, logically, I can figure this, everything out, and we can see some sort of solution. But then when I gave that up and I just listened to people's emotions more or less, or saw it, I think that it, it did change me. But that cloud, if I may, that went over me, it's still here, and I think a lot of us yeah. still feel that cloud because we don't have a solution. Have you felt that maybe making this record got you a little bit away from that? Um, that headspace or is it still kind of floating around you? Yeah, it's a good question. I think, you know, I'll say that every time we make an album, it ends up having to be about something that feels really personal to me. And like in the process of making it, I end up having to do a lot of sort of like self therapizing that kind of does make things better. Um, and then I think that the, like the physical act of, putting something out into the world for other people releases it from your personal space, like quite literally, you know? And, um, so 
on, for instance, like on hunted, um, that album was like incredibly personal to me. And, uh, I had been dealing with these sort of recurring like nightmares and night terrors when I was a child and like living nightmares, uh, ever since I was a little kid and in making the album and sort of acknowledging them and being unafraid to like stare them in the face and trying to derive meaning from them, it like freed me from those, like quite literally. Um, and with this new album, you know, I think in a lot of ways, I see that this new album is related to hunted. Um, and I feel the same way about this. Like a lot of the things that for me to write the songs, I had to come to terms with a lot of the things I was dealing with and I had to look them in the face and acknowledge them. And that in doing that, you know, I, I felt like I was able to be freed from a lot of that. Um, I mean, I'm not going to say that I'm like, don't struggle at all now still, but, uh, with the specific issues, they don't feel quite as heavy to me because I see them in the light now. They're not hiding in the shadows behind, you know, my thoughts. Like I can see them and acknowledge them and um, I can have compassion for them. Like that's something I struggled my whole life with is like having self-compassion. I've seen it as something that's selfish for some reason my whole life. And that like my job is to please other people rather than to please myself. Um, but I think in making this album, I had to learn to be self-compassionate and to develop a practice around it that I have to practice every day. And so the process that was necessary for me to create the album also ended up bringing a lot of healing to me. Um, and so I have to continue that. I mean, I still do that every day, but uh, it's, it's something that's helped me quite a lot in the past year. And I think that's that's a that's a great point you brought up. I've always said that you can't really love anybody else fully until you love yourself. It's got to come here first. Yeah. And I, as selfish as that may sound, it's because you understand it fully, and then you can kind of be more compassionate with other people. But that's a struggle for us all, you know. Right. Um, our belief system, you know, I grew up in the states here. I'm in Las Vegas. I don't know if you grew up in Colorado. Is that where you grew up as well, or no? No, I grew up in the Seattle area. Seattle area, exactly. So yeah. we, but we grew up in the states, you know, and. And our belief system, there's a lot that we were born thinking, believing like this is some sort of truth to, you know, our regions that we had to just really, really let go and be like, wow, this, I believe this lie for a long time. What do you think was yeah. kind of the, um, like, what was like a turning point for you maybe when you were a younger man um, that you were like, I have to let go of this belief system that has been inbreded in me? Hmm. I mean, this is like a kind of shitty answer, but, uh, I, <laughs> I really not until like I was in grad school out here in Colorado. So I'm a sociologist. Um, and I, you know, had to sort of read things that were making me become more aware of sort of how masculinity as a guiding sort of principle that we all, all men that grow up in our culture in the U S sort of end up having ingrained in us to some degree from media and our parents and religion and all kinds of things. Um, I think it was really like the first thing that I really realized was that a huge part of being masculine is denying your emotions. Um, and also denying, uh, positive emotions, especially. So we're encouraged to not be vulnerable 
you know, not to cry or to share, you know, negative emotions that we're having, except for anger, which mm-hmm. is an acceptable emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I hadn't really realized until then in my life that, yeah, I do have a really hard time displaying positive emotions. Uh, and I do have a really hard time sort of being honest with myself and caring with other people when I'm experiencing negative ones too, other than anger, which, you know, metal and anger are like perfectly, uh, you know, complementary to each other. Uh, and so I think that that's maybe one of the reasons why so many of us are drawn to metal is it's like a good avenue for releasing that sort of pent up anger. But a lot of other times, especially in the stuff that I really love, there's a lot more emotion behind it than just that. And I think I have sort of realized over time that I get a lot out of it when uh, metal is emotional in a way that's not just angry necessarily. And um, so we kind of strive to do that with our music as well. And it's something that ever since I've sort of realized this about myself, I've tried to get better about being vulnerable, but not really until, you know, making this album and developing a self-compassion practice that I realized like, I'm still denying myself positive emotion. Um, and I have to begin allowing myself to sort of feel that and express that. And, um, but that was kind of a powerful transformation for me, not necessarily one that was, you know, something that I express on this album, but, uh, just something in my personal life that's helped me grow as a person. That's a great, that's a great thing that you brought up is because I, I think a lot of, like you said, us, us males growing up in the society, we learn that, if we show that anger and we scare the people or we're showing like how tough we can be to a, to a limit, obviously, without physically damaging someone, we walk away with some sort of strength. You know, we have this terminology of disrespect or, you know, whatever inbred in us. And, and that was always something that I never understood. Like, what's disrespect? A different opinion? Like, what's disrespect? But yet it would trigger myself and, and a lot of people that I knew. And, and it, it, it taught you to be passive aggressive at least it taught me to be passive aggressive. And when I let loose, whether it be at work at a, you know, girlfriend or anything like that, I was always like this, the shame would not leave me for weeks, you know, because my goal was to make them scared of me to see how angry I can get. And I think a lot of us dealt with that, um, in this, you know, upbringing because we were kind of taught, I can't cry. I can't look weak. I can't do any of those things. Um, I have to, and, and I guess that's the part that was, I I felt like it was, it was like this combination of there's no winning when you got angry, you left feeling lesser, right. And you left the person that you expelled that anger with looking at you lesser. Yeah. It's a total zero sum game. And, and somehow a lot of us in the society, that's always our go-to until we have like maybe a hard lesson. Do you agree with that? Is that, that is the masculinity thing I think we're talking about. Um, I get confused with toxic masculinity because I always think that's like, um, I played sports my whole life. I always thought that was like a group of guys all, you know, egging each other on to be kind of masculine where the, the role that I'm talking about is kind of just like the internal masculinity of growing up in modern society, at least during my time frame. Is, is that fair? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I think what we're talking about here really is more like a Western masculinity rather than like a toxic masculinity. But I agree. yeah, I mean, I relate a lot to that. Like, I wouldn't say that I have ever been a particularly aggressive person or somebody who's trying to be intimidating, mm-hmm. but I have always been a pretty guarded person and like have felt like I've had a lot of walls up. 
um, to sort of protect myself and keep those emotions at bay. And, um, you know, it's something that like, I'm really with this band at this point in my life, you know, sort of recommitting to this band as we decided to make this record that I sort of am taking as one of my goals with this is like to encourage people to bring down those walls a little bit, you know, on the last song on the record, uh, Astral Road, there's like the chorus section of this song is basically about like that, you know, acknowledging that I feel like I'm broken sometimes and that I realize that you are too. And that it's like through these cracks that we're creating in our walls, like by acknowledging that we're broken, like these walls are literally broken and we can sort of begin to see the truth behind them in each other. And that that sort of like connects us in a way that, um, you know, it, it sort of reveals our shared humanity, which is something that I, I feel like the world is lacking a lot right now. Like we're refusing to see the person that we're talking to or the person that we don't agree with or the person who we've never met and who ideologically we, you know, have some hatred for because they don't, you know, we see that we think that they're doing something bad for us or, um, you know, and it goes back to what you were saying earlier about uh, trying to learn to listen more. Like, I think that that's a huge part of that is if you're willing to acknowledge that there is something shared, even if it's as simple as that, like we're both kind of fucked up, um, that that is something that you can relate to and you can keep your ears open and keep listening to what somebody has to say and learn a lot. Um, and I, you know, like you, I think I've also been trying to be more open-minded and sort of just listen to what people have to say, even if I completely disagree and my initial reaction is like to write them off completely. Um, which is part of why, like, I really, even though it's tempting right now to do so, like, I really don't want to make any commentary about anything happening politically mm -hmm. in this country or even really about like vaccines and stuff like that. Like I understand and can empathize with the fears that people have about things. Uh, even if I personally believe that they're like misinformed or, you know, whatever. Um, but I, I do understand and I have empathy for, you know, that, that sense of fear. And a lot of that comes from people having sort of their own walls up and not wanting to learn about something or whatever, or realize that there's something wrong with them that makes other people uh, feel like lesser human beings that they need to examine in themselves. And it's something that we all have to come to terms with if we sort of want to restore this sense of shared humanity that, you know, can help hopefully sort of bring us out of this like really dark place that we're at right now. Agreed, man. I, and I've said it many times is that the person that I'm opposing views and everything like that, I can never forget. They're on my team still. They're still on my team. They're still in my group. You know, and, and my goal is to not really intimidate, but like they said, listen and just be there while they catch up on the journey, you know, um, with a lot of us. Because, you know, even me in times in my life, I was way behind. I believe things that weren't there. I was maybe that opposing person, you know, when I was younger, anything like that. You know, I have to acknowledge that. Um, I, yeah. I've been an armchair quarterback where I'm telling a quarterback what to do, even though I've never been one, you know, like on a field or any reality of it. Um, and that's something that we're emboldened to do. It makes us look smart. It makes us look strong. It makes us feel good when people are listening. So a lot of those things, they, they go against that. So I've always just looked at it as like, Hey, you know, I don't agree with 
the majority of things I'm seeing from this side. And like I said, we're not going to get into the political or vaccine thing, but I have to always acknowledge, hey, they're on my team. I'm on the same team as them. We're all trying to get to the same finish line. And uh, with that, yeah. the only way to, to, to get there is with compassion. But yeah, if I bring old passive aggressive me, let me scare people and intimidate them. It's a zero, zero, zero sum, like you said, man. And I think a lot of us are seeing that reaction, if I may, and um, we don't know how to handle it. And that's the crazy part. Is that was the hard lesson for me. It's like, wow, I, I reacted like that over nothing before. And people looked at me like, I don't know how to handle you. And I'm, now I'm looking at people and I'm like, wow, that was unfortunately me, you know, in yeah. certain times. So, but that's something I do. Want, and one more time, we're here, guys, to promote the new record, Deceiver, right? It's coming out November 19th. It's fantastic. I'm super, super excited to get an early copy of it, man. And I do want to talk about it. It's your guys' yeah. fourth record. And um, tell me about the difference in writing this record opposed to all the ones before. Because a lot was happening at this time. You know, I got to interview Dan before when you guys did Doomed Heavy Metal. And I know that he did kind of yeah. step away during uh, the writing of this record. So can you just go through the whole process of creating this record, Deceiver, and the difficulty yeah. or, you know, maybe what was great and different about it? Yeah. Well, thanks for the kind words about the record. Um, I'm really excited for people to hear it. I think it's like mm. our most sort of cohesive and um, like it's our most confident record yet this is like kind of the moment where we're sort of attaining what i've always wanted us to do this band which is like create something that's emotional but musically adventurous and sort of unafraid to cross genre boundaries uh but always be in service of the song and that's like what i think the defining characteristic of this album is um so writing it to attain that uh was a really long and sort of arduous process like i was alluding to earlier i mean the first times that we were sort of trying to work on the album were in late 2019 uh so before you know like everything sort of happened in the world that changed how we were going to have to approach it and we were just doing the same thing we've always done which is you know ben or i comes with up with a riff or a series of riffs uh or maybe a whole song sort of idea. And then we sort of just workshop it as a band and play through it, figure out what works and what doesn't work, how many times we want certain things to happen, um, massage transitions. And we basically wrote a version of the first song on the album, Avernal Gate, um, at that time. Uh, but then we ended up completely changing it and scrapping everything except for like the opening riff, which is kind of like this mellow death inspired, uh, section. That was the only thing that ended up staying after we kind of like got into the whole album, but the experience of working on that song and especially that riff sort of, uh, gave us a headspace to operate in for the album, which was that we wanted to make something that could acknowledge these more extreme metal influences that we all have, but that we haven't previously given, quite as much space to. And I think something interesting that that allowed us to do also was like a common sort of self critique of the band, but also one that we've seen elsewhere is, you know, that occasionally sort of like the heavy clean vocal dynamics have felt maybe a little bit forced or just like overworked in the past. But 
I think that because on this record, we're sort of stepping into some of those heavier influences more frequently, it's like naturally creating the space for this dynamic to occur. And that that was something that, that we could sort of play into with the whole songwriting process is like thinking about how these are going to be um, placed in like the arrangements to sort of convey and give an idea of like what the storyline should be for a song. Uh, if that makes any sense, like conceptually at least. Um, and so then we didn't really make any progress on anything for about three months or so, uh, until, you know, the whole world shut down and we just weren't really getting together, uh, frequently at that time. We just finished quite a bit of touring and we're just kind of taking a little bit of a break. Um, but then, you know, everything shut down. Uh, we couldn't get together in person, but we sort of realized that we really wanted to be recording a new album sooner rather than later. And Ben and I decided to just use uh, Guitar Pro, which is like this guitar tablature music writing, notating software that will play back a, uh, you know, like a kind of crappy sounding fake guitar version of what you've typed out, but it's enough to get the idea. Um, and so we started just like coming up with riffs and then we would type them into this thing and share the file with each other. And that way we could figure out how to play each other's things and see if it felt right or if we wanted to change it or, you know, it also gave us the ability to like copy and paste sections so that we could build sort of song ideas this way. And um, the fact just ended up having to be sort of how we had to create the raw material for the whole album. And I wouldn't say that I enjoyed that or that it was fun in any way. Cause in the past we've always just like jammed these things out, uh, in person. And it was like, we're much more intellectualized. Um, but in the end, you know, in doing that, we ended up creating a lot of material, uh, maybe like 10 songs worth of stuff that we felt pretty good about. And, you know, then by maybe September, or so we felt comfortable enough as a group of people to start getting together in person sometimes. And Dan wasn't really quite in that space yet to be super comfortable with it. And, you know, he was just having some other issues that I won't go into, but that it was sort of making it difficult for all four of us to get together and work on stuff. And um, so we kind of just proceeded like as a three piece, mostly uh, with figuring out what the arrangements should be changed things a lot from the, guitar pro stuff that we had done and uh you know sort of coalesced around these six songs really seven because we recorded sigil for the decibel flexi series at the same time um these seven songs that we all thought sort of had a cohesive energy to them and uh that we felt like it told a story and like we really sort of had the whole we had the track listing pretty much like cemented, like we knew what the whole journey was supposed to be, which we've never really done before. We've often had like an idea of what the first and last track on an album is when we go in to record it. But this time we really had like the whole thing figured out and it felt like, you know, like this was how the album was supposed to be. And then it was just about trying to figure out how the story with the words would fit and complement that sort of ride that the music takes you on. And, uh, like I said before, that was really kind of the most difficult part for me personally, but, um, you know, it all came together. And I think just by 
the end of December, we were going to be going in the the studio in January, you know, at the very beginning of January to record the album. And we just realized that like, uh, it just kind of had to be the three of us that were going to do it. And so Ben stepped up and uh, figured out the base for the album and uh, did a great job with it. And, you know, here we are. Yeah, man. And I, I, I do love the fact that it, it went through, like you said, the guitar profiles, which I think are MIDI files, right? So it almost sounds computerized. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. you guys, it sounds like you said you intellectualized it, but it sounds like it was like you, you felt you were kind of overthinking it. But it, in essence, what ended up coming out was maybe the most organic sounding record you guys have had, which is crazy to me, you know, because that's the first thing I saw yeah. is it just all made sense. Yes. It was put together very well. The artwork, I saw the artwork and it, it perfectly matched colorscape with the songs. So everything just came together. And sometimes that's, that's just how things work, you know? And um, yeah. I, I think that it's a, a crowning achievement for all three of you guys. And you guys should be extremely proud, especially after what we went through last year, I got. I was lucky enough to get the lyric sheet and the bio, and I got to you know read the lyrics with the songs and all that stuff. And and like you said, there's a lot of things that not only are relatable, but made me question, think things that I think already. And that's important. That's what art is for. That's why we've always consumed it. That's why we've always listened to it. So, hats off to that fantastic achievement for all three of you guys. And man, everybody out there, if you haven't, make sure you're pre-ordering this record. It's coming out November nineteenth. Chemist's fourth record, Deceiver. It's fantastic. All six tracks. One reason why the record feels so organic, despite sort of like the creation process, is that we refined those raw materials so much. And that um, because we sort of were left with only like a couple of months to really be working on the songs together, we weren't really as prepared as we had been in the past before we went into the studio. And we kind of consciously left a lot more up to chance and sort of to the spontaneity and creative process of being in the recording studio. And that that's something that we tried to sort of use to our advantage. Like we had more time this time to record the album and we wanted to use that time to be able to be spontaneous and sort of make choices that were going to lead to it being a more organic feeling record without being over, over intellectualized at the point of recording it. So I think that that's sort of what helped create that space and, then yeah at that point it's really just about marrying like album art and themes uh in a way that sort of delivers the whole experience the way that we need i know you've collaborated with sam turner many times so did you give him themes and ideas or or did you kind of say these are the color palettes we're looking for because again it the art just really mirrors what the music is it was really well put together yeah thanks i i always work really closely with him i usually will sketch out uh the idea for him uh, that I'm sort of imagining and then he'll run with it and make it way better. Uh, and I did that with this record too. Uh, it was a concept that we all agreed on as a band that we thought was uh, a good sort of symbol of what the record was about. Cause it's essentially like this figure wading through this purgatorial hellscape. And, you know, it's like maybe it's the river sticks or some other part of hell or something. Um, and he's sort of confronted with, his own literal demon, like as his reflection in the water. And it's threatening to like drag him under and drown him, uh, which is, you know, kind of what the whole record is about. So, uh, you know, it fits in with the album title. It fits in with the album themes, the color palette. Yeah. I was, we were talking about like, we want this sort of dark green kind of like mossy feel 
with like a lot of black, like we've always had really colorful album covers and we wanted this to be like a reflection of a darker album. Um, you know, and as usual, he just knocked it out of the park and I'm excited for everybody to see the, the full artwork. You know, this is another reason to buy the vinyl copy is like you get the large 12 by 12 of it. Uh, it looks way better in person than it does on the digital files. Uh, for the first time, like there is like a really a noticeable difference. I don't know why, but like the scans we got are just like not quite up to par, but like the actual thing like looks amazing. And the rear album cover is really affecting too the each song has an illustration that accompanies it um and they i don't know the whole thing is like a really good package and you know sort of the most cohesive and interesting uh one that we have yet i think so you know keep an eye out for that beautiful guys you heard that pre-order the physical copy you know i'm a diehard on that the vinyl is going to be in my collection for sure so if you guys haven't right now november 19th you got time pre-order it when 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 guys when you take the time to do exactly what you did and, and it's the whole package for us we as fans we appreciate that wholeheartedly and trust me these the listeners out here are going to know all right I'm definitely going to go out there you know and pick it up so make sure you guys are pre-ordering it that is uh that is just even more exciting because like all I got was a digital file and I was all about it so I'm 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 stoked about that and last question dude I know I went over my time just a little bit here I do apologize for that but okay. the tour is January. Um, that you guys are doing just kind of a short run. What are I, I know everything's kind of up in the air still and, and all that stuff, but um, I, I know you guys are a live band. You love it. Every time I've seen you, it's been amazing. But what are your guys' planning for touring um, next year? Is this January thing kind of going to be a test run, or do you feel like you're just going to book and figure out how, to, how it goes from there? You know, like kind of a lot is changing in our sort of immediate sphere mm. right now like we just hired management for the first time and um you know i think the move to nuclear blast is potentially creating a lot of opportunities that we didn't have before at least like worldwide um so we're kind of in a tricky spot not only with kind of the tenuousness of touring in general with the state of the world but where we don't want to commit necessarily to lesser opportunities if greater opportunities are about to open themselves up to us. So I think we're trying to sort of, um, we've always been a band that isn't touring a ton and we're, we always try to be pretty smart about what opportunities we do and don't take. We've never been a band that's like, we have to do everything. Um, so I think we're kind of hanging tight for the moment. We're trying to get things booked and we have feelers out to make, try and make certain things happen. But, um, you know, we're mostly doing these January dates because we really want to be out and promoting the new record uh, as soon as we can in some way. And that was a pretty easy, low committal thing to make happen for us. Um, but, you know, if we only have the ability to maybe tour for like six weeks out of the year, or eight weeks out of the year or something, we want to try and maximize on that time and those opportunities. So we're kind of just like have a bunch of wheels rolling behind the scenes trying to figure out where it makes sense to spend that time. And, you know, uh, hopefully that's taking us to places we haven't been before, like more of Europe. And uh, I would really love to go to the Pacific region, you know, and play New Zealand and Australia and Japan and all these places we've never been. So, um, you know, we're trying to make these things happen. We obviously want to play for everybody uh, in the States that we can. Um, but, you know, it might be a little bit slow getting all this rolling. Uh but we're working on it and hopefully 
we'll make all that happen in 2022. Uh, you know, see how it goes, but that's what we're aiming for. Absolutely. Well, the January dates are a great start for us fans here on the West Coast, North America. So make sure you guys are picking that up. You guys are playing New York December 11th over at St. Vitus Bar. So if New York fans, make sure you guys check them out. Uh, with that, Phil, I got to yeah. tell you, congratulations to all you guys for this fantastic record you gave us. Deceiver, guys, it's coming out November 19th. Make sure you're pre-ordering it. And thank you so much, my friend, for calling in to the Metal Sucks podcast. Hey, thanks. I also want to say that there is something special that we haven't announced yet, but I'm sure it'll be announced by the time that this airs, okay. uh, which is, you know, um, it sounds like this first night at St. Vitus is going to be selling out like very soon. And so we decided to add a second night. So we're going to be playing on Friday and Saturday of that weekend. And on the first show of that weekend, the one that hasn't been announced yet, we're going to be playing hunted in full for to celebrate its five year anniversary. Um, and so, you know, if, if you're in the area or interested in coming out, uh, potentially, and you think that that's a cool concept that you want to see, you know, make sure that you're going for both nights of that or, you know, uh, whatever you feel like doing, but it'll be a cool thing to celebrate for us. Cause that record's meant a lot for our careers. And, um, so, you know, hopefully we'll see you there. Come say hi if you come.
the Metal Sucks Podcast.
Metal Sucks Podcast.
guys and we are back first song you heard is off the new record from chemist that is deceiver it's coming out november 19th that track is living pyre second song you heard same record house of cadmus both of those tracks are featured on the latest record deceiver as i mentioned coming out november 19th make sure you guys are pre-ordering the physical copy we talked about the artwork and all that stuff in the interview it's definitely worth your time third song you heard is from a band called dream unending that track is called in cypher I weep, and their debut record, 
Tides Turn Eternal is also coming out November 19th. Awesome record. I've been dig- digging it for a while now. If you guys haven't checked it out, check out Dream Unending Tide Turns Eternal, November 19th. With that, I want to thank everybody out there for the five-star reviews. We keep getting on the good old Apple iTunes. That is all we ask for as a podcast team. We put out these every week. Get those interviews in the bag for you guys. And all we ask for, if you got the time, go over to Apple iTunes, click five stars on that link. That's it. We don't ask for anything else. No Patreon, nothing. We just want to keep giving you guys the content. Five-star review is it. And also the support on our other podcast, Rise to Offend. Guys, we've got over 100 episodes, a documentary discussion podcast. If you guys want to hear the life of Peter Steele, if you guys want to hear the life of Phil Anselmo, you want to hear the life of Gigi Allen, Wendy O. Williams, Chuck Schuldiner. We do six-hour episodes on all these cats. Marilyn Manson. Oh, Marilyn. Dude, we did a Marilyn Manson episode. We need episode to do one now. It seems like forever long. ago. We might do a follow-up episode. I was going to say, there needs to be Marilyn some follow-ups Manson. on yeah. some of these people. We did like, it was like five parts. Insane, that guy's And life. we could but still do two more year, parts. <laughs> we can do two more hours easy <laughs> yeah. on this dude. Yeah. So if you guys want to follow the Marilyn Manson life before he's rape adjacent, go check out Rise to Offend. No, no, not before. Well, before he was called out on being rape adjacent. Okay, yeah, I called out. <laughs> right? okay, exactly. Because we don't talk about that at all. That we, we No, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. We pretty much well, we it. do bring up the book. I mean, it's like the book where he talks about peeing on that girl's head and putting a baloney helmet hey, on her. Hey, Rise to Offend, Marilyn Manson episode. <laughs> Look, I'm going to tell you, for people that didn't want to check it out, the baloney helmet sold them. They're like, baloney helmet? Rise to a pen. I am forever calling dicks a baloney helmet. Baloney helmet. <laughs> Who? Have dicks. Just wieners. All penises. Baloney a baloney helmet. I like it's it. your baloney helmet. I like a baloney staff. <laughs> a baloney staff. Well, take care of your baloney helmet. Baloney saber. Yes. Take care of everything that's not Make a Make sure helmet. you lift the foreskin of your baloney saber to wash in the shower. Dude. Guys. <laughs> Guys. Dude. That's it. You do your comment. We're done. People, people equal snores. S'mores. I said snores. People equal s'mores. Oh, fuck it. We're done. Next week, friends. The Metal Sucks Podcast is signing off.